Lieutenant Carson was a hardened detective with the San Diego Police Department and had seen his share of gruesome murders. He was baffled by the sheer brutality of the murders being perpetrated on his city. He leaned back in his chair and took a long drag of a cigarette. A large sigh came from him as he recalled the most recent of these murders. He looked out the window and down onto the city that he loved and sighed again. Shaking his head, he began his report. He remembered how the responding officer to the 911 call had thrown up and needed assistance from the ambulance. With his hand shaking, he called the detective. When Carson arrived, he was shocked to see a 12-year-old girl with large bloody bandages on her eyes. He immediately knew this was the work of the man the press named, the ICU killer. Upon further investigation, he saw that she still clutched her stuffed teddy bear. He had to push the lump down from his throat to speak to the other officers. He wanted to find this man and shoot him in the face. Later that evening, Carson fell asleep on his couch. Since Linda left, he rarely slept in the marital bed. It was just too painful for him. As he slept, he began to dream. Christy visited him in his dreams. She still had the bloodied bandages on her eyes and her teddy bear clutched in her hand. Christy took the detective by the hand and showed him her death. He could see the back of the large man standing over her. She was pleading for her life, begging and crying. He pushed her down with his hand on her throat and cut her eyes out. It looked as though he was repulsed by what he had done and began to bandage her. Christy moved the detective closer to the scene. The man turned and looked right at them. Carson was horrified to see himself staring back at them. He had found the ICU killer. I was half asleep. That's all there is to it. Yesterday was my first shift back at work, and I had forgotten just how early I used to get up before all this and how taxing my job really is. I was climbing into bed when I realized I had forgotten to let my cats back inside. We see the occasional bit of wildlife around here, so I don't usually let them stay out all night. I didn't even bother turning the light on. Just shuffled down the hallway and opened the front door long enough to let three jet black blobs streak past me into the house. I didn't realize what was nagging at me until the door clicked shut. The adrenaline that hit me woke me instantly as I slowly recounted what just happened. And then I reminded myself, I have two cats. I slowly walked down the hallway to the kitchen wondering what I was dealing with. It had been too small to be a coyote. 
Huh. Maybe a raccoon? As I got closer, I could hear crunching sounds of what I prayed was dry cat food. Reaching around the door frame, I flicked the light on and peered inside. The first thing I saw was Bella, sitting in front of the fridge and licking herself. This, at least, was normal. She wouldn't know if danger bit her on the nose. Roger, on the other hand, was in full defense mode. Back arched, fur looking like he had touched one of those lightning spheres. He began to hiss, and he backed away from what was invading his dinner space. Like my cats, it was black. But that was the problem. It was just black. The thing that hunched in front of the food bowl was nothing more than a void, a lack of anything that my mind could comprehend. As I stared at it, into it, my temples began to throb. I gasped in pain as something behind my eyes flashed like a starburst. That wasn't the reason I collapsed against the counter, though. It was the thoughts that ran through my mind. Things that I would do to myself, to those that I love. I tore my eyes from it and decided it was best to keep it in my peripheral vision. We all stayed there, silent and unmoving, until with a stretch, Bella finished her bath and began wandering toward the water bowl sitting right next to her food. And that thing, my chest tightened and I opened my mouth to call out to her, but all that came out of my throat was a puff of air. I watched as my black cat lapped up some water before turning and looking at the intruder. She sniffed at it and gave it a friendly meow, dumbly oblivious. The crunching stopped. The shape rose up much higher than it should have. And then it made a sound. It sounded like something caught in a garbage disposal. A whirring, garbled mess that pounded in my brain. After a moment, the sound cut off. And then it tried again. This time, what issued was of a higher pitch, eerily like a scream. Three more attempts, and it was meowing. Almost. It sounded like the noise was coming from a phonograph. A tiny echo surrounding the approximation that bounced around the small space. Bella, for her part, looked somewhat pleased at what she'd just done. All at once, the hairs on the back of my arm stood up. They didn't rise. They shot straight up. I felt that the thing turned its eyes to me. If it had any to turn. I could feel tears begin to slide down my face. I wiped at them with the back of my hand, and my flesh came back smeared with red. I won't lie, when it came toward me, I recoiled back, my head striking the wood behind me with a dull thud. Through the stars in my vision, I watched as it ran down the hall and into the living room. I turned back into the kitchen to check on my pets. I'm sure my eyes reflected the same questions that were in theirs. 
The space in front of the food bowl shimmered a moment before snapping back into focus. There was only one thing to do. I had to remove that thing from my house. I grabbed a wooden spoon from the counter and so armed entered the living room, ready to do battle. I could not see it, but luckily Roger followed on my heels and settled in front of the couch, growling. I kneeled down to peer into the space underneath. I still couldn't see anything, but the sudden urge to slit my sister's throat told me it was there. Excruciatingly, slowly, I slid the spoon under the couch, prepared to rear back if it came flying out at me. It did not, and I was confused to find that though I moved the spoon back and forth, it met no resistance. I finally withdrew it to find that it was approximately half as long as it had been when it went under. There was no broken or jagged edge. The spoon handle just extended out and then ended. I considered calling animal control, but what would I say? There's a an it in my house, and I'd like you to come get it so that it doesn't make me light myself on fire. Ultimately, I just decided to call it a night. I opened the front door so that when it got bored, it could just see itself out. Suddenly, the coyotes didn't seem so bad. I scooped up my cats and locked my bedroom door before climbing under the covers. I dreamt. I... I won't tell you what I dreamt. I don't want that on my conscience. As I slowly came back to myself, my body cold with the sweat that had poured from me in the night, I found that I could not move. The echoes of screams from the dream world remained in my ears. No. Wait. Those weren't screams. They were screeches. It sounded like metal repeatedly grinding against metal in high-speed collision. A crash on the freeway, sending bodies flying to skid over the glass and pavement. I opened my eyes and immediately squeezed them shut again. A bubble of despair welled in my throat. It was sitting on my chest, mere inches from my chin. Though I could sense its presence, it exerted no pressure on my body. It just was, or wasn't, I don't know. In the early morning light, I finally identified the function of the horrific noise. It was something I had grown to know quite well in all my years as a cat owner. The thing was purring. So, long story short, now I have three pets. It has told me its name, though I do not know how to spell it. I've made a place for it, under the stairs, where it seems to be comfortable. And I've secured all my sharp tools and other implements, just in case. Though... I'm still not sure what to do about what's in the litter box.
Hey man, we're closed. Fucking soft beards. Hey, can't you read the sign? I said we're fucking closed. Look, man, I don't know what you're... The sight of this guy cuts me off. He looks wired on something. Something strong. His lips are dry and flaky, and his shifty, panicked eyes are bloodshot to shit, and they're fixed on me. Oh, hell. This guy could be mentally ill or homeless or something, and here I am being an asshole yelling at him. Hey, man, look. I'm sorry. How about I give you a little cash for something when I get out of here, okay? He doesn't say anything. He just keeps staring at me. All right. Fuck this. Hey, shithead. You got five seconds to clear out of here before I call the police. You got me? One. Two. Three. He jumps at the window with both hands on the glass like he's trying to impersonate a mime. And that's when I notice he's gripping something in his hands, pressing them against the window. It looks like needles? Oh, yeah, those are fucking needles. Lots of fucking needles. Some of them are empty, and some of them contain some kind of black fluid. He takes one, puts it on his tongue like a scraper, and starts shaving off plaque and fuck knows what else before running off. I pull my rickety safety gate over the door and lock it. it won't do much, but it will buy me time while I call for help. I whip out my cell, but... Of course, the damn thing is spent. I must have forgotten to power it down before I started my shift. I head to the back office to make the call, but then I look at the camera feed, and I find myself paralyzed. That psycho is staring straight into the camera. He starts grazing his face with a handful of needles until blood begins to trickle down onto his shirt. Then he darts off and that is more than enough to snap me out of it and send me scrambling for that phone. I put it up to my ear, and I don't hear a dial tone. Just static. And breathing. And then that turns into hysterical laughing, and angry mutterings, and then crying, and screaming, and fuck, fuck, fuck. This lunatic has me trapped inside my own store. Come on, think. Think, think, think. I gotta find a way out of this. I do have my phone. If I could just charge it up, then I could call someone. So I run back up to the front to rip open a charger at the checkout area. And then I stumble right as I get to the front door because there are words smeared in what looks like blood and shit. I share. I pick myself up, rip open the package, and stab the charger into the outlet before trying to plug my phone into sweaty, trembling hands. Everything is so quiet. I don't hear the man outside, but of course that brings me absolutely no comfort. I stare at the blinking battery on my phone. Come on, baby. Power on, you can do it. Just a little juice to get you going. I don't know if I'm going to have a heart attack or blow chunks on the floor from the nerves. I wait. And then... Yes! It powers on. As soon as it loads the screen, I start dialing. The man sprints to the gate and starts twisting and pulling on it. The phone drops from my fingers, completely forgotten, as I run to the back door to try and escape. 
He screams and laughs at me, and it takes everything I have to keep the keys from shaking out of my hand as I try and slip them into the lock. Finally, I'm able to turn the latch, and I burst through the door and run for my car. It's only a moment before he runs around the corner and makes a beeline right for me. I practically fall into the car, and as the door closes behind me, I can hear the patterings and then bashes of this man's almost skeletal hands against the window. I lock the door as soon as my reflexes allow, and then I try and start the car, but... Of course! Nothing. Come on, baby. Come on. No, 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 no! Damn it, it won't start! The man just keeps screaming and switching back and forth between a terrifying crescendo of laughing and tormented wailing and crying that rattles me with an overwhelming fear for my life. I have no idea what he's about to do next. So he starts bashing his head against the window. Bam. 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 Blood begins smearing the glass as a small crack begins to form. I back up to the passenger side, close my eyes, and expect the worst. Why won't you just leave? The bashing and the screaming go silent. I slowly open my eyes, and he's gone. I hear a distant tapping, and that turns into the loud, sprinting stomps of the lunatic right before he crashes into the window, sending bloody shards everywhere. I shield my eyes, and I can feel him climb into the car with me. I grasp blindly for the door handle and fall out of the car, but not without dragging him with me. He licks my face with a sickeningly empty and emotionless expression, laughing as he pulls out another handful of needles. He tries to strike me with them, but I catch his bony wrists. He furiously screams and cries and tries to pierce me with the disgusting things. I punch him as hard as I can with my free hand, and he doesn't even flinch. Finally, I manage to get my fingers wrapped around his skinny windpipe, and I start to squeeze. It doesn't stop his attack, but I can feel him struggling to breathe. So I press down, harder and harder, until I feel something break. He falls onto his back, convulsing and swinging his arms and legs around in a desperate attempt to cling to life. So I take my arm, place it on his neck, and press until he goes still. <sighs> I grab the side of the car and pull myself up and notice a small pinch in the back of my leg. My hand goes down and comes back up with the black syringe that was planted in my thigh. Oh, hell. 